What's up, everybody? Muley Freak Eric here. Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate you. This is part two of Building a Custom Rifle Build Configurations. We have a special episode coming up for you. Travis Stevens of TS Custom Rifles is joining us again. And today we're going to go over specific kit configurations for specific hunts. Uh, talk a little bit about the components that may go into those configurations and then talk about good calibers that might uh, fit these specific configurations. So Travis, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good to be back. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here today. Had a few audio problems here, but we're, uh, we're, uh, we're off and running now. So yeah, I mean, a very popular podcast. If you haven't listened to part one on building a custom rifle caliber selection, go ahead and go back and listen to that. That's episode four. You can hear Travis and I talk about the ins and outs of calibers and what ranges and what game to use those at. And in part two, we want to talk to you about build configurations. And in our mind, uh, just kind of Travis and I talking about this offline, we went over what we think is three different builds that will basically accomplish anything you need to accomplish. Um, let's go ahead and start with the ultralight build. Everyone's always trying to cut weight these days, trying to figure out uh, ways to shave weight, whether it's uh, their toothbrush, um, their packs, and you know, ultimately that's trickled down to their rifles. People are trying to build the lightest rifle, and building the lightest rifle isn't always the best. Um, but I'll, I'm going to let Travis speak to that a little bit because I know he has guys that call him and say, "Hey, I want a six-pound rifle and I want to shoot 1,500 yards with it." And uh, Travis ends up uh, correcting them a little bit and scratching his head. But again, I'm going to let Travis touch on those things. But you know. The ultralight bill, let's start there. For a sheep hunt, an ibex hunt, or a high country mule deer hunt? Let's, let's talk about that, Travis. Absolutely. That's probably one of the most common requests that we, that we get anymore, at least, at least when somebody's really specific on what they want. You know, if it's, I want to cut weight everywhere I can. This is what I'm, you know, I've got a, got a doll sheep hunt booked in Alaska two summers out. I want, I want a good 600-yard gun that I can be confident in when I'm, you know, I'm going on a hunt on the hunt of a lifetime, but, you know, I can't, I can't drag my 20-pound bench gun with me, so what do we, what do we put together that's, that's going to make a shot, make the shot when I need it to at, at 10,000 feet of elevation, and, I'm, and after carrying that rifle around for five or six or eight days, you know, kind of a carryover from our, from our, com our caliber conversation is, you know, that's, that's one of the first things that we're going to talk about. And of course, you know, in talking with this customer, I've already determined, you know, that's what, that's what they're doing. They're going after a sheep, you know, they're probably going to use it mule deer hunting when they get home. So one of the most common calibers that I'm looking at for that build is a 6.5 PRC. Uh, 140 grain going 3,000 feet a second, 2950, you know, the Hornady 143, 147s, that's in a, in a rifle that's at that six and three quarter to seven, seven and a quarter, kind of where I draw the line at a, that's a, an awful light rifle. Uh, 6.5 PRC is, is going to kill that big sheep, that big Ibex or, you know, high country mule deer, five, six, 700 yards and not beat you up too bad in a, in a rifle of that weight. To get, get into, into a rifle of that weight, you know, we're going to be a little bit limited on, on part selection. One of the biggest things is, is in the stock. And we'll I'll talk a little bit of, in, in a little bit about our midweight do everything rifle where I'm almost always going to suggest an adjustable stock to a guy. I really like an adjustable comb, gets your head up in line with your optic, allows you to be a little bit more relaxed behind the rifle. But unfortunately, you know, that's going to make that stock be weigh three, three and a half pounds. And it's just one place that we're typically always going to cut out to, to hit that weight limit. So we're, you know, a non-adjustable stock. Some of my favorites are Macmillan A3, Macmillan Game Hunters, Manners EH1s. Those are probably the three most popular that we use. And, and it's probably see industry-wide in, in custom rifles guys using in that, in that build configuration. You know, they still have all got that vertical grip that I like. Put your hand in a, in a better position to make a good trigger pull. Kind of good ergonomics who yet being still really lightweight. They both, they all have three have, you know, good tall combs, get you as close as you can to the center of your optic without having to be adjustable, without having to add that extra half, three quarters of a pound of weight, you know, then an action side, almost always going to go with a titanium, you know, right. you've got a pile of rifles with Lone Peak Razor titaniums, you know, that's, that there's a number one 
action that we're going to that we're going to use and in, in almost all of our hunting builds really but especially the the the, uh, the ultralights you know what i tell guys the the titanium action it's it's the last place that you can save a half a pound you know that's that's the only way to really make one lighter so that's that's kind of always going to be a given in in the ultralight build and then of course a carbon fiber barrel you know you want to you know you can get really light steel barrels but i mean they're just super super thin pencil barrels and and they typically don't tolerate you know multiple shots very well they just heat up so fast but you're almost you're almost always going to see a, a carbon barrel on an on an ultralight build in that in that weight range that six to seven pound weight you know of course proof research benchmark bartling are all now making carbon barrels all good options and one of the most common ways that we that we save weight gotcha okay so so let's before you continue there let me let me go ahead and break down the stock so travis mentioned how having an adjustable comb uh get your get your head in line with your optic and i want to speak to that a little bit so you're like okay yeah I i don't I don't care to be that. If I have a guy listening and he's like, you know what, I, I don't really need an adjustable comb. I don't, I don't care to have my neck and, and head in line with the optic. But let me give you a real, I'm, I'm going to translate this to a real life hunting scenario because that's what I know, I, I know best. And imagine a sheep or a mule deer, for that matter, because more people can relate to mule deer, in the pines. And you see embedded there, but you, you have no lane to thread your bullet. And you're waiting for him to stand. And you have a very small window of opportunity of when he stands to be able to execute the shot. Now you're sitting there behind your optic and behind your rifle for hours and hours on end, just waiting for that moment that he gets up to stretch his legs. And you want to be ready because you may never have an opportunity at this animal again, and it, it, it may or may not be an, an, an animal of a lifetime, okay? So if you've ever sat behind a rifle without a high high comb or adjustable comb for that long and tried to focus, your neck will be so stinking kink that you, you, you won't even care to shoot the mule there anymore because you'll be in so much pain. <laughs> um, right. I, yeah. I, didn't, you, didn't you have to wait on one for quite a while in Mexico last year? Yeah. Two, two and a half hours or something like that. Something crazy. And, and, and I, I had the A3 with non-adjustable, yep. but still has a high, high comb there. So, I mean, I was fairly comfortable, but my legs and my torso were contorted and I, I didn't really have the greatest prone position. And oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, I, I have rifles without a high comb and man, it is so much more comfortable shooting one with an adjustable comb, but even one with a high comb, because again, you're just more comfortable. Right. Yeah. Like and I'll, I'll speak to that kind of that ergonomic, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not typically going to on an ultralight build going to use an adjustable stock, but we're, we're always leaning towards, that ergonomic of having as tall a comb as we can get while not being adjustable. You know, that that's going to be the big difference that you see between a, a very traditional factory rifle stock. You know, they're quite often non-adjustable. Almost all of them are non-adjustable, but they're, they're almost built like shotgun stocks. I mean, if you were to actually put your face down on them, your, your eyeballs level with the top of the receiver. I mean, it's, it's an inch and a half away from your, from your, even the center of your optics. So while we're not, you know, going to use an adjustable stock typically on that, on that lightweight build, all of those stocks that we'd mentioned do have very tall combs for, for being non-adjustable. And that, that, that's, that's that ergonomic that we're, that we're looking for in, in any stock really, but it, it's especially, especially important in that, in that non-adjustable for the ultralight that we get it, it, a stock with as tall a comb as we can just, just to get all the, all the advantage, the, the ergonomics, the comfort that we can behind that rifle while we're, while we're shaving that little bit of weight of not having the adjustable hardware, the heavier fill in the stock. Right. Right. Yeah, no, uh, def- definitely nice to have that higher comb so that, you know, you're more comfortable. But again, this is a, this is lightweight sheep rifles, so you know we you still want to maintain some level of shootability, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that with each one of these builds. But you don't want to sacrifice shootability completely. But we get it. I mean, if you're going to build an ultra light, maybe maybe you don't want the uh, the high comb. So so what options are there for, or do you always recommend a high comb even in an ultra light build, Travis? I pretty well I pretty well do. I mean the the the, the firearm industry is you know, the custom rifle parts. You know, that supports the custom firearm industry has come along so well. There's just there's just no reason 
to go with something super traditional unless unless that's absolutely what a what a guy wants but and, and there are some places where a guy can save even a little bit more weight you know like i'd mentioned the weight of our typical whatever we call ultralight you know that six and a half to seven pound range i mean you can get lighter than that um you know you can go to a very thin you know, long grip, you know, uh, really dainty carbon fiber stock, you know, you can save another, you can save another four to six ounces, but it just, it becomes a rifle that doesn't, doesn't shoot very well. Or, I mean, it's, it's not very easy, easy to shoot, you know, so you lose that comb height because they thin the butt stock down. You lose that, that hand position to put your, put your hand in a better position to pull straight back on that trigger, you know, a long, real long, thin grip, um, like a traditional stock has, or like, you know, a shotgun would have, you know, they did do away with all that material there to, to basically save weight, but you say you lose, you lose ergonomics. And, and when you, when you're not comfortable behind that rifle, when you can't point that rifle naturally, when that rifle goes off through that recoil event, it's, it's not, going to interact with your body it's not going to interact with the position or your bipod or your pack the same way every time as easily which is the shootability it's the the ability to for you to get a crawl behind that rifle today when you shoot it and zero it and in two months from now when you're on, when you're laying on the side of a mountain trying to trying to make a shot at 400 yards on a on a sheep that the ergonomics of that stock where where like i say those ones that i mentioned the a3 the eh1 the game hunter tall combs you know high heels of the butt pad you know in the vertical grip while they do add a few ounces they're just there are a few ounces i don't like to give up no matter what just because i you know the most important thing is you know you spend all that time money effort getting there to not be able to make a shot or, you know, not be able to close enough to get within your comfort zone of making a shot. There's just, a, that's, that's one of the things that I will hardly ever subscribe on or, or uh, you know, give up is, is, is at least a minimal amount of, of ergonomics and stock to be able to shoot it. And that's going to become more and more important with larger the caliber you get. And we'll talk a little bit again about calibers on, on the ultralight. You know, I just, you know, six, five pierce, that's number one um, in the ultralight by and far but you know heck maybe you're you know maybe you're never going to shoot past four or five hundred yards um, or maybe you're building this ultralight rifle for your wife or your kids and they're just going to shoot south texas whitetails that weigh 150 pounds with you know you don't need to go up to a 6.5 prc you can build a rifle that's you know, six and a half pounds in a 6.5 creedmoor or a six creedmoor you know even the old 243 and and now you've got you know a nice light rifle that don't beat them up and and they still you know whack a deer out of a box blind three four hundred yards and with with no problem and on the other end of that you know we'll build this lightweight rifle <laughs> up to what is light or as big as cartridges i really like to build in the lightest rifles that we make is like a seven millimeter som or short mag something that 160 180 grain bullet going 2900 feet a second you break on that that ultra light rifle it's still pretty shootable i mean it's getting to be pretty snorty but you know like you know your 300 short mag you know on that I think your I think your rifle you took to Kurdistan last year before our optics was like seven seven and a quarter, yep. and I mean that, that three hundred short with in that it's it got quite a bit of quite a bit of move around on it. Yeah, yeah, it it, it definitely lets you know it's there, right? But um, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think that's perfect. So, would you consider that rifle an ultralight build or midweight ultralight? That that's yeah, that's that's on the with you know that I think that has approved Sendero like 24 inches, the A3 non-adjustable, um, Titanium razor action. tie. That's like, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's about the, the heaviest of the ultralight. Yeah. Okay. I'd yeah. Call. So it's the top, it's the top end heavy of the ultralight. Yeah. I, I would say that's accurate. So right, right. But, it's that, that's going to, that's going to start overlapping into the medium weight. Stuff. Yep. It's right before you get into that medium weight, uh, that mid weight build. So, yep. so let's talk about yep. some of those scenarios real quick. So shootability, I want to kind of touch on that too. So Travis mentioned that um, a lighter rifle is harder to shoot, and I, I'd like to kind of expand on that a little bit. You know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna shoot a little bit different off your pack every time. It's gonna be harder to anchor. You're not gonna have, you know, you might not have that that pistol grip. You not might not might not have that high comb, and it, you're just you're just not gonna be as consistent with it. So that's some of the things you sacrifice with an ultralight build is. Uh, you're not going to be as consistent with it, which means you might not shoot as good at groups. And then also it has a limit on how far you could shoot it. Uh, not, not because of necessarily energy at distance, but because you ever tried anchoring on something at 1100 yards with, uh, you know, 
a 6.5 PRC that uh, is super lightweight. It's it's dang near impossible, it feels like, to hold your crosshair steady sometimes, even with some of the best of rests. Right, right. And that, and that the, the ability to put the first round where you intended it in any, in any position, you know, any, con- any condition or scenario, you know, that, that shootability, I mean, that kind of dictates your, like I said, dictates your distance more so than the caliber than, you know, whether, whether the bullet or cartridge has enough, has enough energy to kill what, what you're pointed at. It, it's being able to put that round where it needs to be to get, to get the job done. That's, that's the, the shootability that we're, that we're, that we're talking about more so than the, the potential of the cartridge or anything. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, an ultralight build, I, I wouldn't guys, I wouldn't, um, consider this a, uh, necessarily, a, a hyper long range gun. I mean, you know, four five, six, seven, you know, 800 yards, 850 yards might be the maximum. What would you say the maximum distance in terms of shootability? Now, can you reach out and touch something further, farther? Absolutely. It's just going to get infinitely more difficult in, in my opinion, to do that. Right. Yeah. That's the, the, the harder it is to shoot little groups at a hundred yards, you know, that translates into the harder it is to put that first round where it's supposed to be at, at distance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, and, you're not, you're not, you're not as steady. The rifle, the rifle recoils more recoil event, um, has more directional changes throughout. So your, your, your rounds tend to tend to scatter more with that, with that lighter build. Cause it's just, harder you know it's so much more critical on you as a shooter and the position and your and your setup that you're able to you know replicate that that uh position every time so that the bullet goes where it's supposed to go yeah absolutely and you know like you said if if it's harder to shoot close it's going to be harder to shoot at distance holding a tighter group translates to harder to shoot holding a tighter group at short range translates to harder to shoot at long range. Yeah. Yeah. So yep, what, what would you say is maximum? I mean, okay. So let me, let me tell you a little bit about that Mexico hunt real quick. So that mule deer was 850 yards or so. I was shooting that 300 wisdom. Um, like Travis and I just spoke, it was probably on the, the heavier end of the ultralight build spectrum, but I had a, a Mark five HD 318 on it. And man, I was sure missing a high comb, a heavy rifle, and uh, uh, a little more magnification on that shot, man. That that seemed like farther. That shot seemed like farther than it really was, just because I didn't have a little more scope on that. I think the rifle was fine. Um, it, it would have been nice right. to have a little more optic, but you're not going to put more optic on an ultralight build, guys. So that's one thing you need to consider. Yeah, just like I said, uh, as long as you laid there, a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable stock, maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit more weight, and the extent. Definitely at that, at that distance you know 18 power is is not a not a not you're definitely not over scoped for for shooting almost a half a mile so but it, we, i mean we really you know i think we talked when we built that put that build together it was going to be you know the, the goal was to be a six seven hundred yard gun so you were you're stretching the limits of it and and that's you know that's reality of what it was but still able to still able to get it done and and you know it obviously it worked it worked yeah. well but no, I was, I, like I said, if, if I wouldn't have scratched out that and carved out that little spot for myself and really got comfortable and cleared a shooting lane for myself and, and got anchored and, and pre-ranged that spot where I thought and that mule deer might come out and really one of the only opportunities to even thread a shot. But anyway, and, and being able to anchor and make that shot, I mean, I don't, I don't come home with the biggest mule deer in my life. Um, so that, <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how important some of these scenarios are and... and be able to make the shot and then, you know, considerations on what type of hunting you do. We all have a little bit different types of styles of hunting. I, I hunt a lot of different ways and terrain and, and, and animals, but I think in summary, let's go ahead and sum this up. So pros to the ultralight build are number one, it's light. So you can get in a different country. Uh, obviously it's, it's not as much weight on your back. Um, but some of the cons are it's, it's, Shootability, you lose some shootability. Uh, what else, Travis? What's an, what's another pro and con? Right, right. With that, with that, with that shootability, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna decrease some of the distance at which you should ethically take a shot, or you know, and and that's gonna talk just a little bit more about about shootability. You know, a lot of that's rel- a lot of that's relative to, to how much you shoot. You know, I shoot all the time. I shoot several thousand rounds a year. Compete, you know, in NRL and PRS, and and you know, have become a, an accomplished shooter. I can shoot a I can shoot a lighter rifle 
probably better than better than most guys where you know if if you don't shoot a lot having a little more heavier rifle is is going to is going to give you some advantage so that you know, the, the con of the lighter weight rifle is it's going to demand more of the shooter to to stretch the limits of it you know to, to use all of that you know let's say that cartridge is potential in that rifle configuration you know it, it the con would be that it makes it it's just it's more demanding of the shooter's potential or the shooter's effort that they're going to put into it, practice and becoming, you know, becoming a proficient shooter. All right, guys, I've been saying this for a while now. Basemap Pro. Download the Basemap app. Upgrade to Pro. The best high-res imagery in the business. I'm telling you, it's going to help you on your stocks, be a rifle or archery. It's going to help you get a lay of the land, plan better. It's going to help you e-scout better www.basemap.com forward slash Freak. We get a little kickback if you order on that link and you get 20% off. So be sure to download Basemap, upgrade to pro, basemap.com forward slash Freak and enjoy 20% off and start using it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to tie this to a, another Western scenario here. And I know I'm going to get this question, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it in advance. Okay, Eric, I'm going on a hike. I'm finally going to draw a high country mule deer hunt. And I, I have some money set aside for a custom build. I still want to do an ultralight build because I want something light. But after listening to your podcast, I understand that I want something still shootable. So here's my suggestion. If I was going on a high country mule deer hunt that I could only maybe go on every 8 to 12 years, I would get something mm-hmm. on the heavy end of the ultralight build in either mm-hmm. uh, 300 PRC, 300 Wisdom, 7 Mag, 28 Nozzle, or 7 Psalm, or even a 6.5 PRC, knowing that, hey... I could still, if I needed to, with a little lesser magnification on, as far as optics go, shoot six, seven, you know, even 800 yards if you put in the time and the work to practice. So in my opinion, if, if you liken this ultralight build to a, mule deer, a high country mule deer hunt, that's what I would do. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Look, so that, that, that overlap, and we'll, we'll, let's, we'll, let's kind of segue into talking about the the medium weight build where that where that ultralight that heavy end of the ultralight kind of kind of rolls over into just like you said that uh, you kind of alluded to a do everything rifle with that with that configuration that you know for, for that guy like you said that guy that's got the one or two high country shoots or hunts maybe at least maybe it's the same guy that i'm going to do one doll sheep hunt and then i'm going to do it then i'm going to use that rifle for all my western hunting you know so if you're going on three or four sheep hunts, maybe you'll try to build that six pound gun, but you're, uh, you're going to go on one sheep hunt or one high country mule deer, and then you're going to go elk hunting with it every year. You're going to hunt the plains mule deer every year. That kind of leads us into our do everything rifle. What I'm going to say is a seven to nine pound gun. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big range and, and it does, it leaves a lot of, a lot of options open for for parts you know in the go to a steel action instead of a titanium we can do you know we can do a multitude of, of different barrels and steel barrels carbon barrels and one of my favorite is it allows us to put an adjustable stock on it about the lightest that we can get into a an adjustable stock is about an eight pound total rifle but you figure it eight pound total rifle and you couple pounds of scope and a pound of bipod, maybe a suppressor on it, you know, that adds up into a 10, 12 pound rifle pretty easy, but that's, that's one of the best configurations to go do anything with. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like it's super heavy, you know, that's, that's pretty doable. I mean, you think probably the, probably the rifle that you killed, that you've killed the two rifles that you've killed the most stuff with fall right into this category. Your 6.5 PRC on the A3 edge, I think you did a 26 inch barrel on that one. You ran um, an AMG on it for a while and then maybe a Mark V. And then the other one prior to that, I think two years prior to that, one of the first rifles that we built you was that 7 mag. We did that one on a A3 edge, adjustable steel action, carbon barrel. I mean, that one... That, that, that one punched that up a lot a of killer. Tags, if, oh, man. If, I, if I recall. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, yeah, that was my first, uh, we'll call it Magnum caliber from Travis, and, and that thing was a killing machine. I, I remember one, one animal that I took was, a, was an elk, and it was at 1,370 or 80-something yards. I had to go look at my journal, but I, it, it was a stretch, and, and that thing hammered, absolutely hammered. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, uh, we haven't touched on the heavyweight yet, but midweight is one of the best do-it-all builds. And, you know, you could go on the light spectrum 
of the midweight build, or you could go on the heavy spectrum of the midweight build. Now, if you wanted to go on the the, the lightweight, you know, you, you kind of touched a little bit on uh, stocks there, but and we we didn't touch much on this on the ultralight, but getting a titanium action, like saving a half a pound, you know, obviously you're going to have that mm -hmm. you know, inherently in the ultralight build, but on the midweight build. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a tie action, but if you want to go on the lighter end of the midweight build, then I would say, yeah, you want a titanium action. I would say almost every time do a carbon barrel on this midweight build as well. Yep. You know, whether you want to do 24 or 26 inches, maybe you want to do 22 inches because you want to add a suppressor. I know that I'm going to be yep. shooting more suppress or hunting more suppressed this year. So I might do a, a few shorter builds just to uh, accommodate weight and length for my midweight builds. Right. Yeah, um, I'll talk specifically on, so the lighter end of my favorite do-all rifle configuration. So this year, um, helping my buddy Ryan guide, uh, I built two I built two rifles for my guns. One, I built ultralight. I built a, a built a razor tie with a with 22-inch carbon and a, and a carbon game warden non-adjustable. I think that build, before I put a scope on it, was like right at six and a half. I did, I put a, a Mark five on it, three to, three to 18. And, you know, it was like under 10 pounds all, all set up. I, I wanted that one for the, the guy that's maybe not real comfortable shooting at very much distance. And I, you know, I actually shoot factory ammo in that one. That was, that was one reason I built it is I wanted to have a rifle backup to just shoot factory ammo in. And then I built my, probably one of my favorite rifles I've ever built for myself yet. I built a seven SOM. I built it on a Lone Peak titanium uh, medium fusion tie. I did a 24-inch benchmark carbon barrel. I did a McMillan A3 edge in with an adjustable comb, and I put a tangent theta 5 to 25 on it. So I put a bear rifle came in at right at eight pounds. You know, so I basically did all the lightest parts that I could but still had my adjustable stock, still went with an all integral receiver, you know, integral lug, integral rail for the robust optic mounting. Um, I did a little heavier carbon contour and of course I suppressed it, put bipod on it. And like I said, then I put my big tangent theta five to 25 match gun scope on it. And that's the, that's the, that's like the lightest end of my, my favorite do all rifle. It's also, you know, that's, it's one of the most expensive rifles that we built. It's got every option. I mean, it's got every box check, carbon barrel, all, you know, titanium, all integral action, the most expensive action that you can buy, adjustable carbon stock, all the, you know, all the bells and whistles on, on everything. And just, just a super awesome, super shootable. I mean, it's like, it's like shooting my match rifle, but, but lightweight. Um, actually, I killed a deer this year at 830 with this new my my personal record of, of killing anything but but coyotes at distance, and that that's one of one of my favorite configurations. Also, one of the most expensive. And we can do we can do a real similar build that don't cost quite as much money. We put a lighter weight steel barrel on it, put a steel action, you know, same adjustable stock, and you can you can save a little bit of money. But that that A3 titanium fusion you know, carbon barrel, that's that's my favorite do all configuration ever. Like I said, I just had to talk about had to touch on that a little bit. Things that my favorite, easily my favorite rifle I've ever, ever built for myself. Um, it's just a great combination, you know, in the seven with the seven Psalm, um, you know, I could have gone bigger in cartridge, but we're, you know, we're West river, South Dakota, mule deer, uh, whitetail hunting, a 180 going 2950 is plenty of cartridge for anything that we were going to, going to encounter. And, uh, you know, I'd be comfortable absolutely taking that elk hunting anywhere too. Yeah, no, that, that that sounds like a super sexy build, actually, and 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 it sounds like you were very confident uh, with that build. Right, right. I had I had all the all the parts that that I I needed to 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 be able to shoot it well and shoot it at a distance. You know, I had a twenty five power, the best, the finest optic that you can buy in North America on it, adjustable stock, like I like, so that I can be comfortable behind it, shooting it prone, any position really, and you know, run a little longer barrel and my suppressor get a little bit of recoil reduction out of my suppressor, get all the velocity I need out of a 24 inch barrel. Uh, it like, yeah, a very, very comfortable rig for me to shoot. Yeah. And, and, and guys, when you're considering putting these, uh, a custom rifle together and considering the, the three different builds that we're going to speak of here, you got to, you got to think about what you think you'll be most comfortable and confident with, because a lot of times confident kills. If you know you can make the shot and you're a hundred percent have a hundred percent trust in in your rifle, you're going to get the job done. So that, in my opinion, 
knowing how your rifle shoots, knowing how it's balanced, and being comfortable with it is almost one of the most important parts to to being successful. Yeah, absolutely. Just hearing you talk about that, Travis, you just exuded confidence in all the components and, and how well that rifle was balanced, how well it shot, how well it was configured. Um, it, it, I just wanted to point that out to, to listeners that, man, you can tell just how confident you are in that rifle. Right. Well, and that, you know, when, when, when somebody calls up and, and they're, they're looking for a new rifle and they, you know, they, they give me some of their bullet points. So, you know, it doesn't have to be super light, you know, but I, I want an adjustable stock, you know, cause I've, I've heard people talk about it or I've seen it, or, you know, maybe, maybe I shot some guys, you know, heavy six, five Creed more steel rifle at the range one time and it had an adjustable stock. And I really, and I really like that, you know, but it doesn't have to be six pounds, you know, if it's just, you know, if I can be 10, 11 pounds scoped up, then I, you know, I have confidence in building, I have more confidence in building a rifle like that, knowing, not knowing that, that, you know, the, the rifle is any more capable of shooting a quarter MOA group, but it's, it's that, that, com- that rifle will, will go to that guy. He'll be able to set it up to fit him and it'll, it'll have, you know, the right amount of recoil or the lack of recoil that he can shoot it well. And he's going to have success with it. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be something that anybody can use and, and have success with. And that's, and that's confidence for me builds going out, builds going out the door. So I get, I get excited about, you know, building a, building an eight or nine pound six, five PRC or a seven SOM or cause if I know guys are going to enjoy it, I know they're going to, you know, they're going to be able to shoot it. Well, they're going to, you know, they're not going to have a hard time finding ammo because they're not fighting the rifle. You know, it's not beating them up or recoiling so much that, that it's, picking on all of their flaws in their shooting form it's just it's just very easy to get along with yeah no absolutely the standard here just just kind of hearing you talk about the midweights is uh almost adjustable uh hardware there for your comb it just it just seems like in a midweight build that's something you want because number one it's going to become more shootable this midweight build instantly qualifies you for more accurate shots at distance because you're not only going to be more comfortable behind the gun, you're going to shoot it more consistently, but also you can, you can pack a little heavier bullet in this configuration with a, maybe a more Magnum and caliber, like the 300s, 300 wind, 300 PRC, uh, 28 nozzler, seven mag. Obviously you can do some of those in the ultralight, but you're, you're going to have a lot more fun shooting these, uh, bigger calibers in this midweight build. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. And and I do. I, I. I. You probably see more adjustable comb stock builds come out of our shop than than just about anybody else. But it's something I'm I'm really really passionate about as being one of the most important things that you can add to make that rifle more shootable. Uh, when you're able when you're able to be relaxed behind the rifle, put your weight put put your weight naturally into the rifle, lay your head on the stock, look through, look through your scope. Every shot that you take with that gun is going to be more like the last. And that's what relates one round to going at the same place as, as the next one. You know, you think about what happens when that rifle goes off, you know, there's, I'm sure somebody, you could do the, you could do the math, you know, that, that bullets in that barrel for a millisecond. And as soon as the firing pin drops, that rifle starts moving, you know, as that powder burns and builds pressure behind the bullet starts pushing, you know, the, the bullets trying to go forward and pushing the rifle rifle back in that split second that it takes for that bullet to leave the barrel. Any, any amount that that rifle moves away from where the crosshairs were, were pointed basically is that's going to impart, uh, you know, a direction on that bullet's on that bullet's path. So if that the lighter that rifle is, or the bigger the cartridge is, the more that rifle moves. Then and when you're not able to lay behind it comfortably, naturally maintain your natural point of aim between you and and the rifle, in that split second that for the bullet to leave the barrel, your any 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 movement or any any change in direction that that happens is going to result in, in the mount in your bullet going someplace other than where it was originally pointed. And that's kind of come back to the adjustable comb. Why it, it, it allows it just allows you to lay so much more comfortably behind a rifle. And the more comfortable you are, the more relaxed you are, the, the less that, that rifle's going to move and, and you're unless you're going to disrupt that natural point of aim between you and the rifle in that split second for the firing event for the bullet to leave the barrel. Right. No, absolutely. That's very well articulated there, you know, helping people understand just how much 
shift there can happen between setting up and the squeeze of the trigger. You've, you've got to try to mitigate all that possible and having just a little more, if I could say, sturdy build is just going to help mitigate some of that movement and uh, potentially yep. missing your target. Yeah. So what, you know, what, what calibers, uh, you know, I kind of touched on a, a few calibers there. Anything I really missed in there, Travis, in, in terms of midweight caliber selection? Not really. Actually, that's where in the midweight, I mean, we go, we go all the way from, from one end to the other, you know, like the majority of my hunting rifles all kind of fall in that midway caliber. I mean, from my 22 Creedmoor coyote rifle, it looks almost exactly the same as my seven thumb deer rifle does. You know, it's, I just got a shorter barrel on it. So it's a little lighter and a little handier to get in it in and out of the pickup or the ranger. And, you know, maybe change some small things, uh, that it would, that it would affect the weight or the use, you know, like I've got a detachable mag on my, on my lightweight coyote rifle. And I've got a, a internal hinge floor plate on my, on my seven thumb deer hunting rifle. But when in that mid range, mid weight, category we kind of built everything there i mean clear up into the into some of the bigger stuff you know i've built some 338 lapuas that weighed eight or eight and a half pounds and you know they were they were a lot to hold on to but but you know they were they still were worked at that at that range so the bulk of what we're going to build is all going to fall within that within that range yeah. So, I mean, if you guys, if you're, if you're going to, and you're probably connecting the dots here on your own, but if you're going to build, you know, one and one rifle only, I would suggest, you know, building in that, uh, that midweight category and maybe middle of the road midweight or, or, uh, even, you know, leaning towards that heavier midweight, depending on how well you want to shoot the heavier, the rifle in terms of, um, how you set this up with components, uh, the more shootable it's going to be and, and, and the better you're going to be. But at the same time, you know, you don't, you don't want to pack depending on how you hunt. And it's all going to trickle down to what kind of hunting style you do. If you do a lot of backcountry hunts where you backpack in for seven days and you're living off your back, you, you maybe aren't going to want to go on the top end of this mid build. And maybe you're going to want to go into the heavy end of the ultralight build or, or maybe the, the, the lighter end of the midweight build, depending on, you know, how you're going to be using it. But those are all things to consider. Now, one thing we haven't really talked about uh, is triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of good triggers out there. I've personally used a Jewel, a Timney, and a Trigger Tech Special. Um, do you want to speak to any of those? Are they all good, or what do you think, Travis? They're they're really they're really all good um, as long as it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we we've used primarily Trigger Techs the last the last few years. They've just they've been super, super consistent for us, um, had very little issues or super easy for the end user to adjust, but, but really all in all, you know, I guess we didn't talk about it at all, but I think it's, it's kind of become just super common knowledge. A guy buys a custom rifle, he wants a good trigger on it. And, you know, whether you're using us or somebody, or, you know, somebody, somebody else, you know, any good builder is going to, you know, in, in, insist on a, on a good trigger, something that's adjustable to a weight, what you're, you know, what you're comfortable with, in the, in the situation that you're going to shoot it, you know, obviously you don't run a four ounce bench rest trigger on a, on a hunting rifle. So that's probably why we didn't really even (laughs) lend to that conversation at all, but, but a a good, a good trigger to what, at whatever, at whatever weight, you know, you're comfortable, you feel like you can, you can make that shot without disrupting the rifle is, is going to work for you. Yeah. So, so pros of the midway build, obviously it's going to be more shootable. You know, you can, you can pack a little more bullet, more comfortably, bigger caliber, a little more comfortably and then you know some of the cons is it weighs just a tad more i don't know travis do you want to right. anything i missed there that, yeah i mean that, that's like say you with with that midweight build like you said you're able to you're able to match up that that recoil with the with some of the component or you know one thing we didn't really talk about you know it, it may, maybe you have to you have to get into that midweight just to just to save a little money on some on some cheaper parts steel action steel barrel you know etc et but yeah that's that's the biggest range of finding finding a rifle configuration that's going to do a lot of jobs and do a lot of jobs really really well you know it's, it maybe not maybe not the best at, at at any of them but but definitely good for all of them yeah no absolutely and you know one thing we haven't talked about on the ultralight and the midway yet is is optic too you're gonna obviously you're gonna want to shop for the ultralight build a little lighter optic with the midway build you're gonna be able to shoot farther because you can put a little more magnification and a little more optic on it obviously one of my favorite optics is the mark 5 hd uh and you know that's that's perfect 
for the midweight build, you probably don't want to stick a, a Mark V HD 5 to 25 by 56 on an ultralight build. You know, you could probably put a 3 to 18 by 44. But I like shooting first first focal. You know, you could put a VX5 on an ultralight build. You know, if, if you're a Vortex guy, you can put a, you know, HD yeah, or, yeah, or, or yeah, HDLR. Yeah. yeah, a lot of different things there. But gosh, I just, I just like having a good optic. And that's why I like that mid-weight build range so much is i can put a, a mark 5 hd 5 to 25 on it right yeah I, I talked about that a little bit when i was when i was uh talking about my love for my seven psalm that i built myself you know hey i had the i had the weight or i had the the room in my weight limit to to add more optic you know higher quality glass more features with a you know better turrets and you know more magnification and that all it all just takes more more weight in the optic to to, to get all of that and, and have it all be really really good so yeah that that's yeah well, i guess we, we should have talked about that a little bit in the in the ultralights and the, and the midweights but you know the, the ultralights like we talked you know you're a little bit more limited on distance so limit you know having a little bit limited features in your optics is is typically going to go along with that to save the weight in your optic where the midweight build you know you've you're typically going to have the you have the room that's going to open up your options for your optics, and I think I like that. I'm a, I'm kind of a glass snob. I like I like high end optics with all the features, front focal plane, you know, exposed turret, plenty of magnification, and that weight limit in the in the rifle allows yeah. that for me. Yeah. So if we could go, if I could go back and um, redact my pros and cons a little bit, I'm going to go back to the ultralight. Another con of the ultralight build is you can't put as much optic on it. And if we, if I could go right, back, yeah. If you're trying to keep your, if you're trying to keep that overall weight of the rifle down, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, the heaviest scope in the industry right now is a Vortex Razor Gen Two. You know, they're like 48 ounces. You know, you don't put a, you don't put a three pound scope on a six pound rifle. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and not only is that going to look goofy, but it probably make the rifle somewhat awkwardly balanced if you stuck a a Vortex Razor Gen 2 on a, you know, five and a half pound rifle. I'd just uh, probably just be weird. But, you know, right. a, a, a pro of the Midway build is you can put more optic. Travis just mentioned how he's a glass knob. I like good glass too. So putting just a little bit more glass on the rifle is going gonna, is gonna to help you with your groups at close range. You're obviously going to be more efficient at long range, hold your target better, see everything better. Man, Optics makes all the difference when you're trying to reach out there and touch something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the most innovative products of 2020, Goat Knives, the Capra Hunter TI. One of my very, very favorite tools to have in my pack. Lighten your load, 1.14 ounces. It's a multi-tool and, and replaceable blade knife all in one. The handle's made out of titanium. It takes a 60A replaceable blade and includes an 11-piece bit kit that you can fix your gear tighten your bow, fix your rifle scope, whatever you need in, in that Capra Hunter TI. So goat knives, use coupon code MealyFreak there. Okay, let's move on. Um, unless I missed anything, move on to the heavyweight build. So um, hunting scenario, elk, moose, deer, uh, brown bear, grizzly bear, bear, you know, some of that bigger. Long, game. long, long range. Yep, super long range type shots. Um, and, you know, we could probably do its own separate podcast on long range and what long range is and long range hunting. But, you know, let me just talk about that real quick. So a heavyweight, you know, you want maybe just a, let's say you're hunting a Canyon where, you know, you're a thousand yards across and, and you rarely in this Canyon you hunt can get any closer shots. Okay. Um, I have a bear, a, a Canyon that I hunt bears in, like the closest shot is 600 yards and they go all the way up to like 1400 yards and there's it's just not mm -hmm. feasible to get closer unless you're bow hunting over there and i want to be able to have just a little bit heavier rifle where i can sit down and have the confidence to reach out and touch something it's it's not an ego thing it's not a it's not a how far can i back up and shoot i just want to be able to shoot that far because i cannot get any closer in in this perfect scenario now you know haters may say oh you shouldn't be hunting then well you know, I can, I can, because I have the confidence that I can make those type of shots and kill the animal efficiently. So I'm actually going to, and technology allows it. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and build a heavyweight rifle so that I can hunt that cannon and, and kill that giant mule deer or, uh, that giant bear that I've been chasing for, for years and years. So real life scenario. I mean, that's, that's happened to me. And that's 
why I have some heavyweight builds is so that I can, for that specific type of hunt, I can reach out there and touch something. So, uh, 2020, my, uh, my gun of choice and caliber of choice was 300 Norma, uh, with a bipod unsuppressed. I think I was right around that 12, just over 12 pound range, maybe even been 12 and a half. It's been a long season, so I haven't waited yeah. for a minute, but, um, yeah, let's talk about that real quick and, and just heavy, heavier magnum bills in general, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a real realistic scenario. I'll add to that a little bit. You know, I get the, the guy, you know, maybe an older gentleman that's, Hey, I'm not, I'm only going on hunts where I'm not going to carry my rifle a long ways. You know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take the buggy to the, to the top of the mountain and we're going to watch this Canyon or we're going to, you know, sit up over, a, sit up over a big agricultural field or something like that. But I'm not, I'm not carrying it miles. I just need to be able to make a shot wherever something steps out at, whether that be 200 yards or, or my best chance at 1200 yards. Um, so we get, you know, we get that just, just, the, just the same as the guy that's hike taking up the mountain so when when i've got that kind of a limit i you know let's let's build it comfortably heavy you know we no reason to spend the money on a titanium action because frankly we kind of want the weight you know we don't even have to do a carbon barrel we'll just do a medium weight heavy weight steel barrel and and as you probably guess let's absolutely do a nice big adjustable <laughs> maybe yeah. tactical style stock that's super easy to super easy to get behind you know that's like your 300 normal we went the you know the a3 edge adjustable again we did go we did go edge fill on the stock um but we put the we put the steel action on it for a little bit more weight and we went with the i think we did a 20 yeah i'm sure that was a 26 inch proof sendero country you know so their biggest their biggest carbon barrel just because there was there was not there's not a lot of necessity to, to save a lot of weight. And with that, with that type of build, you know, then you can, then you can comfortably get into your big magnums, you know, Norma or a Lapua even, or, you know, or, you know, 300 wind mag, 300 PRC, seven mag, you know, a rifle like that would be really comfortable to shoot in a, in a seven SOM or in a, you know, even a six, five PRC, but that, that heavy weight, very stable, you know, multitude of shooting positions, of course, prone when you're connected to the earth, it's going to be really easy to drive accurately. And that, that those kind of things are, are what, what makes for an easy to shoot extra long range rifle. Yeah. Okay. So let's classify these weight ranges real quick before we um, continue on the heavyweight. Okay. So ultralight build between X pounds. So I'm, I'm going to call that ultralight sub sub seven seven and a quarter okay most of them are gonna you know it's tough to get custom components good i'm gonna say good components you know we're not we're not using we're not using a little 18 inch pencil barrel and we're not using a a plastic stock you know we're using a good carbon fiber stock that's that's solidly filled that's going to be that's going to be accurate you know there's some factory rifles out there that are like sub five pounds but they don't shoot you know or they don't shoot they don't shoot like like you'd expect a rifle that you spent five thousand dollars on to shoot so, you know, it, it's tough to get much under that, that six pound range. So that ultralight's typically a six to seven pound air rifle. Okay. Midweight. Midweight with your typically step into that adjustable stock if you can, or maybe up to a steel action carbon barrel, carbon stock setup. I'm going to, I'm really going to classify that midweight in a, as a seven to 10 pound rifle. Cause like what my seven song, I told you about fusion tie, adjustable a three, mid-length carbon barrel 24 inch carbon barrel you know that i think that rifle is right on the nose of of eight pounds you know so that seven and a half to then you go up to like a steel action maybe a steel remington varmint type contour barrel and again an adjustable stock probably going to be nine and a half maybe maybe 10 pounds and that's still kind of what i would call into that that midweight rifle that's going to be on a heavy end of midweight but let's call it seven and a half to nine pounds on a on a midweight rifle okay and then, and then your heavyweight. your heavy your heavy rifle, yeah, that nine and a nine and above. I mean, you're typically not seeing somebody pack for any hunting purpose, except for the guy that you know maybe a match shooter that's using his match gun to to hunt with. But you're typically not seeing you know a bear rifle built much more than ten, eleven, twelve pounds. And that's going to be your your nine to nine to ten, twelve, eleven pounds is going to be a pretty heavy yeah. hunting rifle. And, and when I kind of talked about my norm a little bit, I, I was including the bipod on that too. So, you know, bipod, you'll add roughly right, yeah. just under a pound or just over a pound. So I was including total weight there. So, 
Oh, okay. But um, yeah, gotcha. so let's let's talk about some components there. You you obviously before I interrupted you to touch on the different weight classifications of each of those builds. You you more or less mentioned obviously adjustable hardware in the comb. That's a must. Uh, you could go out to a steel barrel versus a carbon, 24, 26, or even a 28-inch barrel. Steel action, you know, save a little bit of money. Not that it's about that, but, you know, there's no need for a titanium action. You can obviously put more optic on a heavyweight because you're you're not as concerned with that. So you can um, splurge a little bit when it comes to your optic. You know, your optic is going to help you at a distance. Obviously, magnum calibers, you're going to be able to shoot, you know, some, some bigger calibers more comfortably, thus increasing your shootability on a heavyweight rifle. So, you know, this rifle is going to be that much more shootable. It may not be as fun to haul up the mountain, but you're, I'll, I'll tell you, you're going to be more confident. You're going to be uh, very well anchored once you get behind that and once you select your target and make the decision to, you know, kill that animal, you're it's going to be easier to do it. Right. Your odds of your odds of success have, have increased. Absolutely. If you're tough enough to carry that heavy rifle up the mountain, um, your odds of uh, success will inherently increase. You know, adjustable or not adjustable, but uh, a mag. Talk about that. You obviously you're going to have some ability to have a mag. I guess you have that on the midweight too. Right. Yeah, that'd be a little a little component of the build that that's going to dictate weight a little bit one way or the other, or, or you know style of, style of hunting you're hunting you're doing is is going to dictate some of those smaller finer points. Like I said a deta- you know maybe a detachable magazine versus an internal hinge floor plate. And, you know, we never really did talk about that in any of our weight classes, but it, it's tip that that one is typically a, a preference type thing. Or I get I get guys that you know I hunt in Canada and to get in a truck in Canada you got to have your gun completely empty, no rounds in it. So they really they really like something with a detachable mag that you know they don't nobody or you shouldn't you know travel around pack around you know. A, round with or your rifle with a round in the chamber so if you got to clean if you got to clear your rifle out before you can case it and put it in the truck having a detachable mag is is sure nice you know usually it's a little bit heavier than than just an internal hinged floor plate but you know it's like uh, here in south dakota we don't have to clean our don't have to clear our rifles out to to put them in the buggy or to put them in the put them in the uh, pickup you know i don't think you're supposed to have a round in the chamber but but you can have a loaded gun you know you can have ammo you know inside the magazine or inside of the you know the internal magazine on a rifle so i like my hinged floor plates for for that because just it's real easy you take a round out of the chamber stuff it in the stuff it down in the hinged floor plate and close the bolt on an empty chamber um, yeah. works yeah. nice there's nothing you know no nothing nothing to snag on it's lighter you can't you're not going to inadvertently hit your magazine release and, and leave your, go leave your mag on the prairie somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> then you're looking for, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, it's pretty hard to accidentally hit that and leave your mag uh, in, in the snow or in the prairie. And one thing about hinge floor plate too is, you know, ejecting those rounds. Sometimes they can fly out, even, even eject them, trying to grab them before they, you know, fall into the snow and get wet and your bullets get wet and stuff. It's just, it is just kind of nice. It's kind of a luxury having that detachable mag in my yeah. opinion. Yep, and yeah, like I said, it's just kind of a kind of a use a use thing, you know. And, and if you know, if if there's good magazines for the cartridge you're shooting, you know, that's part of your that you'd consider depending on what depending on what caliber you go with. Right. What what other things that might go into a heavyweight? I, th- I think that's pretty much everything. We we talk so much about the ultralight and the midweight. It was kind of uh, obvious what you know more things you could do on the heavyweight. Obviously, the hardware, steel action. No need really for edge fill in your stock. You even go a little heavier barrel. I don't know that you actually need to go like, say, a bull barrel or anything crazy like that. Do you? No. Um, you can you can you can basically make it as heavy as you want. That you can as heavy as you want to pack around. Really. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, you're going to increase your shootability. You're going to be more accurate. You're going to be more consistent. Uh, you're going to be able to shoot it farther. And uh, a lot of people are like, man, does your 300 Norma kick? I'm like, no, actually not at all. My, my 6.5 PRC kicks more than my 300 Norma. And it's just because how well those components are balanced in the, in the build that Travis put together that um, I, I hardly even feel that Norma, which is nice, right? Because right. then I don't right. flinch. I'm, I like shooting it. I'm not scared to pull the trigger. I don't anticipate any of that recoil. It just, it just makes me a, a, a better shooter, thus a better hunter. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, something we didn't really, that we didn't talk about, um, either was what you put on the muscle, you know, that, that maybe not so much the, uh, 
heavy rifle, but a big, a, a big Magnum, you don't want to just shoot that with nothing on the muzzle, you know, no muzzle brake or no suppressor, you know, you're 300, you're 300 normally, you're not shooting it with a suppressor, you know, and there's, you know, a, a suppressor has more recoil than a brake does. So we put a, put a brake on it, soak up some of that recoil as well as the additional weight. And that's tip, you know, something we, we should talk about that a little, a little bit, you know, your ultralight build, you're, you're typically not going to put a three quarter of a pound suppressor on, you know, it's just, it's not in your typically not in your weight limit. You don't need, you don't want to drag that extra nine inches or eight or nine inches of, of length strapped to your pack under the trees or, or in the back of a bush plane. So you're going to, you know, typically going to be a bare muzzle or a muzzle break on that ultralight. And there you step into, you know, in the midweight, you may be, you may be, you'll do either one. You know, I shoot all, I almost do all my hunting suppressed around home, but if I was, leaving the state or, you know, if I was traveling, I'd probably skip my suppressor and put a brake on. And, you know, one, it's going to save me a little weight. It's going to save me a little length. You know, we don't have trees to crawl under in South Dakota, but if I was in Colorado or Utah or, you know, crawling through all that mess, I, I wouldn't want to tote that extra length around and it would, you know, it'd save me a little bit of weight going without the suppressor. Yeah, no, it's, you bring up a good point. Yeah. We did kind of forget about what to put on the end of your barrel. Ultralight build, probably not going to put anything uh, but you could put something, uh, depending on if you're going to go with a, you know, maybe you want to take the recoil out of a seven, uh, seven wisdom or 300 wisdom. So you want to put a little, a blended break on there, but with the midway build, obviously you can put a suppressor there. You can put a break there. I will say, I will say this, man, protect your ears with a suppressor because I've been hunting suppressed for so many years. This last year I didn't because I was hunting internationally and my dang ear is still ringing from Kyrgyzstan. Like uh-huh. it, 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 I, I made the shot without putting my ear protection in and holy crap, it's one thing that I, I, I really regret. So yeah, if you're going to use a brake, definitely use uh, ear protection because that one, I'm paying for that one dearly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Brakes are, brakes are great, but, uh, if, if you can, if you can afford the little bit of added recoil or make up for, for it with a little heavier rifle configuration and shoot a suppressor that's it's just better but it's more it's more pleasant and and i get this a lot from from guys you know i don't i don't know that i don't know the actual numbers on percentage of of recoil reduction you know and, it, and it's different for every cartridge and every you know every rifle configuration you know a heavier rifle is not going to have as much percentage of of recoil reduction from a break or a suppressor but as a as a whole a a brake reduces a little bit more recoil than a suppressor does. Let's just call it, say a brake does 50% of the recoil, it takes off 50% of the recoil and a suppressor takes off 30. I have a lot of people that comment that have, you know, that have shot suppressors versus a brake before. And they, you know, and they said, I really feel like the, the suppressor does, you know, more for recoil reduction than the, than the brake does. And I really believe it's, it's just simply because there's, not the noise, you know, there's not yeah. the noise. You don't get, you know, some, some, some breaks, yeah, some breaks, you know, vent, vent gas back into your face and you don't have, you know, you don't have that noise. You don't have that concussion. It's just a, you know, kind of a whoosh or a, you know, a, a light pop instead of, instead of that big bang that, that kind of makes you Twitter pated and makes you flutter your eyes. You know, it, maybe the, maybe the rifle, you know, hits you a little bit more like buddy punching you in the shoulder, but, but you don't have that, uh, that other sensory overload with, with the noise and the, you know, say the wind gust blast on your face from the, from the break. So something to definitely consider for your build is, is a suppressor. So is there actually any science behind that you, that you know of at least does a suppressor, does a break actually have less recoil than a suppressor or is it all in your head? Because I felt, no, I kind of, uh, I kind of feel I, like a suppressor does hit your shoulder a little less. But you're right; it probably is just because you don't get the boom. Right? No, I, I, I'm, I know I've seen, I've seen numbers, um, and and I've, I mean, I've shot, I've shot both, I've shot both enough to know that if, even in, you know, like in our super heavy rifle, our match rifles, you know, they're 
there's there's less rifle movement with a brake. So there's there's more recoil reduction. And like I say, and they all vary. You know, I mean there's brakes that are not as good at recoil reduction as others and same, you know, suppressors or some suppressors that, you know, have better recoil reduction and in, in better noise reduction or, you know, or vice versa. But at, like I say, that's just as I was saying before, as a whole, you know, a brake will reduce more recoil than than a suppressor. But you know, brake, brake obviously, you know, a little more recoil reduction, but a lot more noise. And suppressor is a little less recoil reduction, but a whole lot less noise. So, yeah, kind of a, a, a give or a t- you know, a give or a take for for those two things. You know, and, we, and that's one thing we talk a lot about build configuration. The guy, you know, wants to run a suppressor. We're, you know, talking about comfortable barrel lengths. You know, typically guys, not a lot of guys want to run a 26 inch barrel with a with an eight inch can on the end of it so we're talking about you know making some concessions with the barrel length may look you know and which is going to in turn take a little bit of velocity off to run a you know shorter more manageable rifle length after they after they add that seven to nine inch suppressor onto the end of it yeah no you bring up a good point you know depending on if you're going to put a brake on it or a suppressor i mean that's going to factor into the length that you uh decide on for your uh, barrel because you don't, I mean, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to put a 26 or a 28 inch barrel with, with a, you know, six, seven inch suppressor. You're going to want to go 20, 22 inch if that's what you're doing, you know, well, yeah, make that whole system more, more manageable. Just like you mentioned earlier, you know, you're probably gonna run some shorter barrels this year because you want to get back to, to hunting with a suppressor. Right. You just enjoy that more. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more confident with the suppressor, I'll tell you that, because I'm not anticipating the uh, boom. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't worry about my ears. I don't have to worry about if, you know, if a buck gets out, surprises me, I don't have my ear protection in. And, well, I'm not going to shoot that buck because I don't have my ear protection in. No, I'm going to shoot that buck. So I'm, so I'm going to wreck my ears. And how long are my ears going to hurt for? Are they going <laughs> to ring a day, two days, or are they going to ring for a year and a half like they have been, you know? Usually I've, I've I've had some ringing before and it goes away, but man, this this Kyrgyzstan one has not gone away. Yeah. Wake up in the middle of the night. You've shot a lot more guns than I have, Travis. You probably have a constant ringing that, uh, and I'm sure you're smart smarter now than protect your ears, but I'm sure you've got ringing that you hear. Yeah, yeah. I've 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 dinged them a couple dinged them a couple of times before. I had suppressors or even here, you know, hunted a little bit here recently with with a break doing some traveling and yeah, I, I'm I just if I can, I much prefer hanging a suppressor on the end of it. It's it's just it's just more enjoyable. I mean, that's even our like our you know the guiding that that we that I do help with. You know, when when a client will crawl behind one of our rifles with a suppressor on, it's it's just nice you know i i don't have to worry about right before he shoots putting my earplugs in and you know we're able to we're able to stay communicating because we don't ever have earplugs in i don't have to try protecting myself from the muzzle blast and i i can easily you know sit right beside him and and you know, coach him through making a shot at distance if i if i need to or you know be able to be able to spot and at, pull up my binoculars at, in in just a moment without having to wrangle and find my earplugs and get those pushed in it, it's it's nice that way. Yeah, it's just nice. You, you don't, you don't got to be worried about when your buddy's going to pull the trigger. You don't have to worry about uh, him surprising you, or if it's you, you don't got to worry about a buck getting up and surprising. You know that you can shoot without causing potentially permanent damage to your ears. So, um, right, right, yeah. You're, you're, and the guys that always get it worse are the guys that's right beside you, spotting for you. Or <laughs> there's a lot of there's a, you, you hear you hear about a lot of guides. And outfitters, you know, that I really, really, really don't like it when somebody brings a muzzle brake, <laughs> just yeah, because yeah. somebody's always getting blasted. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah, Def- definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate of a suppressor. I'm an advocate of a brake too, just because I know it's going to be more shootable. Seems like there's kind yeah. of a, a theme to this podcast with each, each of these build configurations, and that is shootability. I mean, you've got to, you've got to right. factor in just. <laughs> the the level of shootability of each of these builds and how far you want to be able to shoot it accurately. Right. Yeah. Coming except for me coming from a, a shooting background, you know, or being a, being a competitive shooter, you know, everybody's everybody, you know, everybody that I talk to, they give me their, you know, their kind of their goals for the rifle and, you know, part of those, you know, being, you know, killing power and, and then, you know, build configuration weight, you know, I'm always trying to maximize my shootability within my, 
weight range. You know, so I'm almost always advocating a, you know, a break in that ultralight rifle. Yeah. I don't, I don't love having, you know, break makes, you know, it's even louder than a bear, than a bear muzzle, but it reduces that, that recoil and that rifle movement and it makes it easier to place a shot where it's supposed to go. So a good summary is, you know, picking, picking out those parts and is maximizing that shootability within that, that weight limit or the, you know, the confines of the configuration that, that a guy's after. No, that's perfect. Maximizing that weight limit within the confines and configurations that you're after in each of those ultralight, midweight, and heavyweight. So, dude, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see the point of uh, uh, continue this any longer, man. You, you, you did a bang up job. Obviously, Travis Stevens, the custom rifle ninja, also a very successful competitive shooter, uh, successful hunter, also guide out there in uh, Miller, South Dakota. So. Travis, thanks for joining us. Is there anything, uh, any last words that you'd like to share that we missed? No, I, I, I think we, I think we kind of got all, finally got around to all of it. But it was a pleasure as, as always, and I hope, hope the guys listening, it helped, helped maybe solidify some decisions on, on what you're, what you're wanting to put together for a, for a custom rifle, or, or even if you know if you're not even looking for a custom, uh, custom rifle, the same, the same kind of considerations as far as the rifle configuration, you know, come into play. If you're deciding on which factory rifle to buy, you know, there's, there's same, same way. There's ones that are configured better than, better than others. Just the same way that we, uh, try to put the to bed, put together the best configuration in a custom gun. So, yeah. Uh, pleasure, pleasure visiting with you about it again. Hopefully, hopefully help some guys out on on uh, making decisions what they're going to do with their guns for the next season here. Yeah, heck yeah. We'll we'll get with Travis early because again, I know I said this in the last podcast. Don't come to Travis in the eleventh hour, uh, a month and a half before season, and expect your custom build to be done. The time to build a custom rifle is now. Start gathering your components. Uh, components seem to be in short demand. So order your barrels, order your actions, order your triggers, your, especially your stocks. And, you know, give Travis a call. Travis might have some of those things on hand, so he might be able to help you out there. So. Yeah, we, we do. We inventory, we inventory a lot of those parts, especially the stocks. The, you know, the, but I, try, I try to keep around the, the hardest to get, longest, longest wait time parts just to decrease our lead times as much as, as we can. But, yeah, to, don't, wait till, don't wait till August to for your september 15th hunt you're you're just going to be too late but <laughs> yeah then you put the stress on travis, call us, and travis call us now get the, get the build yeah get the conversation started while while you're sitting around watching it snow thinking about next fall now's the time to get rolling on one yeah don't and don't hesitate to reach out to us travis has been a wealth of knowledge to me i've learned a lot from him over the years and, and travis i appreciate everything you've taught me and and what i've learned and learned some things the hard way obviously and uh, as we all do. So Travis, thanks. Thanks for joining us guys. Just a reminder, be sure to subscribe rate and leave us a review, uh, review on iTunes, re- uh, review on the Google play store. Um, wherever you're listening to this, please, please, please leave a review. Let us know some feedback and we'll see you on the next podcast. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks Travis.